0: And welcome back to another edition of what I like to call From Nonsense to God sense, as we take a look at the things going on in this world through a biblical lens so that way we can maybe make some sense of some of the stuff that does go on because oftentimes when we look through a worldly perspective, we don't know what to make of things. And then when we look through the godly perspective, maybe through the words of the Bible or maybe even just uh, some things from other people, what they've said, we get a little bit more clarity onto uh, certain things. and. And with me is Dan Delzell, and he's an author at the Christian Post, pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And, and Dan, you know, we talk about it's kind of interesting that today's topic because it's kind of almost a uh, a contradiction to what I like to call from nonsense to God sense. Because you know, usually when we look at the uh, Bible, and as an evangelical Christian, you know, the Bible is our is our not I don't say template, but it tells us, you know what it is that life's all about, what it is that we should believe in, what Jesus is all about, what he did on the cross, dying on the cross to save us from our sins, talks about creation, you know, it gives us everything that we need to know about our faith, and yet a recent survey has come out and said that more than half of US adults, including 30% of what people would call evangelical Christians, believe Jesus isn't God. And to me, that's just astounding to call yourself an evangelical, believe the Bible, and think that Jesus isn't God.
1: Well, you're exactly right, Son. And, you know, it's interesting that anyone who does those surveys would feel comfortable using that label for someone who rejects uh, Jesus' claim to be God. Uh, The Scripture is clear. Um, This is not a secondary issue, obviously. Uh, Jesus, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, is uh, fully divine. There are three persons in the Godhead. Um, you know, the, this is not sound like a question that uh, a very strong Christian asked me uh, Sunday uh, when leaving church, and she asked my view on the UFOs. And I told her I'd give her a call, and so we talked this morning, and, and I kind of shared a couple of thoughts on that. But, um, you know, clearly the Bible doesn't say anything, and, and if anything, very, very little that someone might be able to point to. And so oh, I think maybe that's addressing, you know, UFOs and even, uh, you know, many Christians I'm sure would even doubt those one or two instances in the Bible. Um, when we're talking about, you know, Jesus being God, that is clearly presented throughout scripture and the new Testament just really um, brings it home very, very clearly. And, and so if a person is going to say that Jesus is not God, uh, that, that has never been uh, that has never been something that has been part of uh, evangelical Christianity, biblical Christianity. Um, you know, at, at most, that that might uh, fit into what someone might like to label progressive Christianity, but even then, they're hijacking the word Christianity because Christianity has never been associated uh, with, with um, that sort of Jesus. Uh, in, in fact, Paul said, if anyone comes and preaches another Jesus, let him be eternally condemned. So if someone comes along, and everybody has the right and, and the freedom to believe what they want about Jesus, but if somebody comes along and says that Jesus is not God, um, that cannot accurately uh, be defined as Christianity or evangelical Christianity. And, and so I saw that headline, of course, when it, it came out, as you did, Son, and I thought, well, you know, I, I wouldn't have titled it that way. I, I mean, why would you title an article that thirty percent of evangelical Christians believe that when that, that's not that's not a fair or accurate or biblical definition of what it means to be an evangelical Christian, At most it, it's and I think maybe you said this in the intro song, it may be as somebody who identifies as an evangelical Christian, but um uh, so I mean you you and I know what they're saying by that you know they're they're, they're saying that you know people who assume they're evangelical. You know, it's kind of like, son. I think something like, I don't know, over over half of, uh, Americans, when polled, I believe, uh, have this view that Jesus sinned. Well, if you believe in a Jesus who's a sinner, uh, if you believe in a Jesus who's not God, you, you clearly are not believing in the Jesus of the Bible, and and rather than believing, rather than that Jesus being someone who can save you, he actually needs a savior. I mean, after all, if he sinned, he needs a savior. He doesn't qualify to be anyone's savior. So. Um, you know it's just it 's just a simple matter son of, of of folks who just don 't know uh, the biblical teaching that 's not to condemn anyone or, or to put you know those of us who know the true Jesus above anyone else it 's just to say there is true doctrine there is false doctrine there's a true uh, definition and nature of God, and there is a false teaching about about jesus and it, it really is alarming that that thirty percent of people who Seem to assume they're evangelical Christians or, or use that label for themselves uh, out of the same breath would, would say something as astounding as, as the, the fact that, or the, uh, the idea rather, the theory, the, the belief that Jesus is not God. And, and that very belief places uh, the person believing it outside of Christian faith by definition, son. By definition, the Holy Spirit will not come to, to live within a person who is going to reject uh, the divinity of Jesus. Um, that's not something the Holy Spirit will ever teach, endorse, affirm, bless, uh, or produce within a person. And, and so anyone who is, um, confessing that Jesus, um, really needs to, um, to get with the Lord and ask God to show him the truth, him or her, the truth about who Jesus really is, uh, the savior of the world, the son of God, uh, the second person of the Trinity, true God, true man. You know, uh, as, as they put it at Seminary Son, 100% God, 100% man. So fully God, fully man, as, as uh, you know, the historic creeds uh, address as well. Uh, this was something in the early church that, you know, some people were struggling with. And so the uh, the historic creeds address uh, the nature of, of Christ because it is a critical doctrine to our faith.
0: Yeah, Dan, you mentioned UFOs, and I, I saw a survey one time recently where— um. I don't know how scientific it was, but it was 57% of Americans believe that there's some sort of life outside of our solar system, outside of us. And so it's kind of interesting that in this day and age, more and more people are starting to think and believe in aliens and UFOs and space people as opposed to be believing in Jesus and God and, and what the Bible has to say. Now, here, according to the um, survey... Okay, here's how they define evangelicals, okay? Okay. So, they, they, so of those evangelicals that, you know, believe that Jesus, um, is not, you know, fully God, fully man, and what the, um, and what the, um, respondents, you know, claim that these are the yeah. four things that they'd uh, identify themselves to be evangelical. Okay, the Bible yeah. is the highest authority for what they believe. So they had to agree with that statement to be considered an evangelical okay. for this study. So the Bible yeah. is the highest authority. It's very important for me to personally uh, to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus as their Savior. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove the penalty of my sin, and only those who trust in Jesus alone as their Savior receives God for God's free gift of eternal salvation. So mm-hmm. if that is what the requirement was in order for them to be considered... Yeah. For this, you know, and then thirty percent of those people believe that Jesus isn't God. So, how can thirty percent of the people of those respondents that just claim those four things now say that they don't believe in God or they don't believe Jesus is God? That's just crazy.
1: Well, it is, son, and and it really is puzzling. Um, It'd be interesting to talk individually with with those folks because because here's the thing, son. um, As you and I know, if a person is born again, they're justified. If they're justified, they're forgiven. If they're forgiven, they're redeemed. If they're redeemed, they're, 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 they're born again. They're saved, okay? Um, now, if that's the case and the Holy Spirit is living within you, um, the Holy Spirit will never teach a person that Jesus is not God. Now, Now, is it possible that a person is born again and yet they have received some terrible teaching about Jesus? Um, well, I'm not going to say that's outside of the realm of possibilities. Um, you know, um, what would be critical, though, to address uh, in, 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 with, with a person who's maybe, you know, claiming some of those things like that survey addressed as far as trusting in Christ alone um, for salvation, uh, it would be critical then to, to visit with them about, about Jesus and, and about his true nature. And if the Holy Spirit is living within them, then they will be open and receptive to what the Bible has to say about Jesus being uh, fully God and fully man. If they reject that that teaching of the Bible, that Jesus is uh, fully God and fully man, then uh, it is highly doubtful that, that that they have a grasp on, on the gospel, in fact, on there may be folks out there, at least if that survey is, is, you know, close to accurate, there may be folks out there who in one breath say, I'm saved by grace through faith, and then the next breath say that Jesus is not God. Um, but, but I'll be honest with you, Son, in 30 years as a pastor, I've never met anyone like that. Um, the, the people who I've met um, in, in some of those religious groups that are not Christian, uh, that, that talk about Jesus Christ, but it's another Jesus, They don't believe that Jesus is fully God, that he's equal with the Father. They believe he's a God, uh, a small g. They believe he's a created being rather than the creator of all, rather than the eternal uh, creator, the eternal God. Those folks on to a person are placing their hope in their works for salvation. Um, And and, and the reason I know that is because that's part of their teaching and, and because I've heard it from their mouths over and over and over again. I've never yet heard one person um, claim to believe in the gospel message that they're saved by grace through faith alone, and then in the next breath really have an issue with the divinity uh, of Jesus. So, you know, I'd be curious uh, with that survey. Um, you know, how, how well were the questions asked? Uh, did they follow up with the folks? Um, again, maybe some people who just... Um, have a very very basic understanding of the gospel song, um, and have never really even thought through fully what it means that Jesus is God. Maybe you know, m- maybe they were giving a very uneducated answer from a uh, a new believer uh, or a young believer someone who's never really grown at all in doctrine. Um, so so again, I, I I'm not going to suggest that just because maybe somebody gave the wrong answer on that question on the survey that that just proves that they're not uh, born again, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, the most critical question on that survey would be the one that, that you said that they were using as one of the uh, the things they were basing evangelical on, and that is, you know, are we trusting in Jesus' alone for salvation? That's the most important question, and and that's the one that when a person gets that one um, going in the direction of works, uh, it's pretty indicative that, that they are not Relying on Christ for salvation, they're not saved. They're not born again. So, like I say, I've never run into one person who who um, is trusting in Christ alone and, and and yet who does not believe that Jesus is God. But I suspect, son, maybe what happened there is is, is that uh, there were maybe uh, maybe a mixture of some who maybe answered, you know, the right way, even though it wasn't something they really believe about the grace question. And then, you know, it, it's just hard to say, but. But, you know, those two doctrines, the nature of God, the nature of Christ, the nature of, of the Trinity, and the nature of the gospel, those are at the crux of what it means to be a Christian um, and to have the Holy Spirit living within you. And, and I, it has not been my experience on to run into Christians who only um, cling to one of those and who reject the other, because those religious groups out there today that reject the Trinity, they do not proclaim the gospel. And when you talk to their followers... Um, their followers do not understand the gospel. Um, that's why they're not uh, accepted within uh, Christian circles. And 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 really, you know, just to call a spade a spade, um, because they're they're very bold about you know coming out to people's doors, and they have every right to do that. But we also have every right to say, in Christian love, that the doctrine of the Mormons and the doctrine of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, they do not proclaim the gospel. They do not proclaim the Jesus of the Bible. They proclaim another Jesus, a created being. Um, and, and so they get both of those key doctrines wrong. It doesn't mean they're not sincere, nice people, genuine, authentic, and zealous. It simply means that um, the reason Christian, Christian denominations and churches do not accept either one of those groups as Christian is that you cannot reject the Trinity and or the gospel and then be seen as Christian. Uh, it's not to condemn anybody. It's simply to say um, that, that Jesus said he's the only way, but there's only one Jesus. And, and so that, I, I just find this this survey with evangelicals, because uh, like I say, I, I read it uh, too when it came out, song, and um, I, I'd be curious to talk to those 30% who claim that Jesus isn't God. Because, you know, the Bible says test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. And And, and there would be a way that we could test them and ask them a few questions about the gospel, and and, and if they simply are confused about the nature of Jesus, then if the Holy Spirit's living within them, son, which he is, if if they're saved, born again, justified, redeemed, and forgiven, if they're children of God, then they will be receptive to the correct teaching. Um, And so this is where, you know, like a survey like that, um, you know, in some ways, I wish those who were conducting those surveys made it more of their goal to try to get the truth to those individuals rather than just, um, you know, maybe getting some clickbait, you know, that, uh, you know, now we got this great thing we're going to put out there. Well, who's that really helping and, and and how accurate is it? And, you know, we're talking about life and death, heaven and hell. And, and so um, I don't know. I mean, you know, anybody can throw that out there as, as they did, whoever put that out there, but um, I don't know how helpful it really is unless you're willing to follow that up and teach people why they're wrong. Because are are those who are posting that survey, are are they really trying to turn them around or are they just, you know, trying to get, you know, readers for that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we we have to have a goal and the goal has to be to educate people. And I suspect when push comes to shove, if you start talking to those people who took that survey, you're going to have some of those 30% who, who, who really don't believe the gospel and you're going to have some of those 30% who, who are saved, and they just got a little bit confused on the question about Jesus, uh, or they've just not been taught clear enough about his divinity. But but when they are given that clear Christian message of the past 2,000 years that Christianity has always proclaimed boldly uh, from Scripture, that's the only way we know that, uh, then, then Christians accept that message. So, um, you know, that those are just a couple of thoughts I have on that whole survey process.
0: You know Dan the Barnard group did a survey too one of them uh one of their own earlier and according to uh, them there was a respondent of 51% of Americans consider God to be all powerful all knowing perfect you know that that we believe you and I personally believe you know God to be yeah and that's down right. from 73% of americans from 1991 so it's it's continued mm. to trending down but here's here's was yeah. here's what they concluded okay, okay. they concluded yeah. that uh, this is a quote from them the spiritual the uh, spiritual noise in our culture over the last few decades has confused and misled hundreds of millions of people the message to churches is this christian leaders and christian educators can no longer assume that people have a solid grasp of even the most basic biblical principles so do you think that over the course you know let's just say going back to 91 when 73 percent of americans believe god to be all-powerful all-knowing perfect and the just creator to now 51 percent which i guess is kind of a generation what do you think that contributes to if if people don't have this you know grasp of even the most basic biblical principles and yet you know we've got churches all across the country that people are supposedly going to right what do you think the the disconnect is coming from
1: well, I, I tell you what, Son, I, I think it is in part due to a real watering down of doctrine. It, it's due in part to this notion that has been cast out there uh, and spread that, you know, we really don't need doctrine. Uh, we, we, we just need to have, you know, uh, a feel-good message or a feel-good worship service. And, and, and doctrine, you know, tends to divide, uh, so goes the, uh, you know, the, the thinking. Um, when actually, son, um, you know, doctrine is is key to our faith. You know, uh, Paul wrote to the young preacher, Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And, and notice, uh, you know, life and doctrine, those two things, how critical they are, not only for... Um, you know, a minister, but, but also son for every Christian. And, and there's just this idea, I think, that, you know, even many Christians today, I, I think, have, you know, don't give me doctrine. You know, I, I, just want, I just want Jesus. I don't want doctrine. Well, you know, biblical doctrine uh, is, is very important in terms of helping to strengthen the foundation of our faith. You know, uh, the, the doctrines of the Bible. I mean, you know, heaven and hell, those are, those are biblical doctrines. I know a lot of people don't want to hear about at least, um, you know, the second one of those. And, and who does? But but they're important. Um, you know, the, the doctrine that Jesus is the only way to heaven. A lot of people don't want to hear that because that sounds too narrow. But see, once you start chipping away at these things, son, and you start removing, um, you know, those things that seem too offensive, you know, what you're left with is in many cases not enough to build a strong biblical foundation in a person's life. You know, this is what years ago led me to write an article um, entitled something like um, Why Joel Osteen Should Preach About Hell. Um, you know, he's a very nice guy, but he doesn't preach much doctrine. And and, and, and so um, the, the, the ministers who preach doctrine, um, you know, are, are those who help to ground people in the Christian faith, um, rather than just kind of more of a Christian light, uh, rather than just, you know, um, you know little, little sayings and, and little upbeat, positive messages about, you know, uh, feeling good about yourself and, and, and all of this, and then tacking on a, a prayer at the end of your message, you know, asking Jesus to be your Savior. You know, that's not the way the Apostle Paul did it. He grounded people in his epistles, which was pure doctrine from the Holy Spirit that he gave to the Apostle Paul and the other Apostles. Um, this is what we need. So this is why the Bible says preach the word, you know, not, not, not just what, what's popular or 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 preach, you know, feel good messages, and I've got nothing personally against Joel Osteen, and I'm sure I would, you know, very much enjoy visiting with him, and and a very very nice guy. But you know, there are many people I think uh, who who look at those messages and, and say, you know, there's very little doctrine, there's very little from Scripture, and and so I, I say this long answer sign just to say I think this is why uh, those percentages in America. Uh, are going down in terms of people's uh, beliefs about God and their awareness and knowledge of God, uh, because the more you get away from Scripture, the more you get away from biblical doctrine, the more you get away from truth, all you're left with are, are you know, warm and fuzzies. And the warm and fuzzies um, are not enough to give you the strength and the knowledge to know what to say. For example, if your neighbor says to you, well, I heard somebody say that, you know, Jesus is the only way to heaven. What do you believe? Now, you know, obviously, son, there are a lot of people who attend churches today, Christian churches, who really probably would not feel prepared to give an answer to that biblically because they wouldn't want to be seen as, um, you know, uh, keeping anybody out of the picture and, and, you know, so on and so forth. But, but, But when you're grounded in biblical doctrine, you come to see what makes the gospel so unique what makes the cross so offensive to natural man um, and to his natural way of doing things, and why the gospel is exclusive in, 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 its, in, its, uh, in its salvation message. It's inclusive in that it's for everyone, son, but it's exclusive in, in, in that it does not leave the door open for other ways to get in. And, and this is why the world finds it so offensive, The only reason that that, that Christians believe that Jesus is the only way is because he said so. And and because, you know, for example, Paul wrote, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So, So there's just basic biblical doctrine that we only get in the word. And what we're seeing in America is less. Less of the word being preached, less of it being read, less of it being studied. And wherever you have that sign, you're going to end up with people who know very little about biblical doctrine, very little about scripture. And, and this is why, you know, the Bible encourages us uh, to just to just be um, to be people of the word, to um, to crave pure spiritual milk so that by it we may grow up in our salvation. Um, and if we're not craving the word, then, then there's something that's amiss, uh, in our, in our spiritual life. And, and we need to once again dive back into the book. You know, it's like D.L. Moody said, um, this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. So, um, w- the more that we are people of the word, the more we're going to be equipped with the truth and, and something as basic as the divinity of Jesus that i mean that that's that's barely even christianity 101 i mean that and, and that's why it is so startling that that you'd have people um rejecting that while also claiming to believe the gospel um well that's a new phenomenon i guess that has never existed really in the in the history of the christian church uh to the extent that i suppose it is today there've been heresies there've been people who've come along and tried to teach that jesus is not god but I think when you lack just sound biblical teaching and doctrine in churches, you can end up then with people who who maybe think they're Christian, uh, who maybe even have a grasp on the gospel. Uh, Maybe some of them, of course, are born again, but they don't even maybe have this, they're not equipped to just articulate that Jesus is fully God and fully man. So we have to do a better job um, in churches teaching people the truth about these important doctrines. Uh, Otherwise... Uh, things I think are going to continue to slide in the direction they're going son, and, and that is not a good direction.
0: Yeah, Dan, I remember back in college going to a church, and they started to, uh, the college group anyway, started to change a little bit in their approach. And they got their foundation for this change from a church in Chicago. And what it was, it was... OK, they felt the church was becoming offensive to the non-Christian. And so in order to bring people in, you have to become less offensive to make it acceptable to the non-believer. And so things such as imagery like the cross and pictures of Jesus started to come down. And then, you know, convicting uh, messages started to get simplified so that you can't squirm in the chairs. Right. And so then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you had this uh, little bit of growth. But also, with that, then you started to have this thought process that people would then serve according to a spiritual test that they would take to to um, identify their spiritual gift and then through that, you would have leaders in the in the you know in the group that would lead other people that would come into the into the the college group and so basically, what it was you had you know new Christians, if you want to call it that leading new Christians, you know. And so thus, I believe that yeah. was kind of, for me, the beginning of what I saw was like the watering down of the message, so to speak, was that you had this change in in uh, in the, uh, not necessarily theology per se, but the approach, okay? So you're starting to water down the yeah. conviction message. And then I remember just not too long ago, maybe even a couple of years ago, the same church in Chicago that had yeah. this thing for 20 years, yeah. they, they did a survey of people, and their yeah. survey came out and said that the biggest thing That was lacking over these 20 years was the fact that this uh, evangelism idea that they were doing was good for maybe the first year or two of a believer's life, but then they found a lot of people left the church after about a year, maybe two. There was nothing to sustain them after year two was the outcome of it. And so it was like you had this watering down, you had this baby food, but after a while, you know, you you have to have some more substance to what it is that you're believing as you mature. I mean, the Bible talks about that, you know, as an infant or as a baby, you drink milk, and then as you get older, you need more sustenance so you can eat more and more, and then pretty soon, you know, you want the meat of it, you know, and that's what it was. And so for me, I actually saw that kind of develop way back then and even was questioning it back then. I eventually had to leave the church because, you know, I was outcast for it but um Mm -hmm. but but that's what i saw back then and you know according to that Barner group which started in 91 you know 73 percent of americans believed you know god to be all powerful all knowing perfect and the just creator of the universe to now 51 percent i could see where in theology being watered down i could see where churches have uh taken to social issues you know um i looked at a a church's um core values and it was to be culturally relevant and then to you know spread the gospel or, or, you know, witness to the community. But then again, if you're going to be culturally relevant, and we've talked about this before, you're starting to then have to change theology to adapt to the culture because the culture is going to find, you know, the Bible offensive because we've gotten so social and so kind of left in our beliefs that we're allowing all kinds of things to be justified even in the church when the Bible specifically talks about, uh, you know, these things as being sin. I remember, um, you know, where you and I met on the Frank Sontag show, we had a, a conversation with people and they claimed again to be evangelicals and people that go to church, believe the, you know, read the Bible, believe God is God. But the question was, is there more than one way to get to heaven? Cause the Bible, you know, Jesus says in the Bible, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so we posed that question and the response was, yeah, there's other ways to get to heaven. Jesus isn't the only way. So again, you're starting to see where there's people out there that you know claim to be Christian. I'm not judging them, but they claim to be it. But yet, their beliefs, their ideology, their thoughts, the things they say is very is contrary to the very core of what the Bible talks about and the very core principle of what you know, Christianity is all about. You know, there's more than one way to get to heaven. Yeah, Jesus sinned. Yeah, Jesus wasn't perfect. You know, they start throwing all these things out there. Well, then at what point then are you believing this? Because if those tenets aren't being believed, then why even believe the rest of the Bible? Because there's no point in believing the Bible if Jesus isn't perfect. There's no point in believing the Bible if Jesus didn't die on the cross to save us from our sins. You know, then, mm-hmm. then who cares about anything else? Because it won't matter because those things... Are the foundation of why we believe, because we put our faith in something that is going to save us and propel us into all eternity with Jesus in heaven.
1: You know, I think that's very perceptive, Son. And uh, like you, you know, I kind of watched with great interest as that seeker-sensitive movement, you know, in the 70s with Bill Hybels there at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, was really, you know, taking off. And I was very uh, impressed with the zeal that um, they seem to have there, uh, with Bill leading, you know, the charge to, to reach souls for Christ, uh, I think it was a very pure uh, desire um, that, that was aimed in the right direction. Um, I, I, I think at some point, uh, as you as you noted, you know, then, you know, they, they, they really started to turn Sunday morning into so much of an evangelistic event that that became the dominant thing, much more than let's say teaching the word to believers. I mean some churches have even gone so far, son, in this with this secret sensitive movement, you know, to, to to tell, you know, their believers, well don't don't take up one of our chairs on Sunday morning. You know, you come on to the Saturday night service, those are for unbelievers. Now, while I can greatly sympathize with that that um, that passion to reach the lost and, and and as a pastor for thirty years, I mean I know how challenging it is to balance, you know, that both things, you know, trying to reach the lost um, on, on Sunday when you can, but also feeding the Word. I think if we, if we go too far in the direction of being speaker-sensitive, we, we, we kind of see there how with Willow Creek and that whole movement, um, it, 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 does not, uh, it does not place enough emphasis on, on just the basic teaching of Scripture. And, and what's interesting, Tucson is one of, uh, you know, really Bill Heibel's disciples, um, was was Andy Stanley, a- and uh, and I have you know a lot of respect for Andy Stanley as a, as a pastor and as a Christian. Um, but at the same time, I think he definitely drank the Kool Aid of the seeker sensitive ideology. In fact, I remember reading uh, Andy Stanley writing about how you know back when he was a youth pastor in in the church with his dad, Dr. Charles Stanley, very well known still alive and preaching today in Atlanta, um, but very biblical sound, uh, you know, Bible preacher and teacher. Um, his dad, uh, you know, Andy, the son, was there leading a youth ministry. I think he said of like maybe 200 youth. Well, then he went to this conference in Chicago, and he was so blown away by what he heard and by what he saw. And, 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 and there's a phrase that he wrote um, that I'll never forget. Um, Andy Stanley wrote about that experience, and he said, it wrecked me. And and what he meant, Son, was this. It so changed his paradigm of how to do church because all of a sudden now he thought, now this is going to be, um, you know, the magic pill. This is going to be the the secret weapon to really reach the lost and grow our churches. And and, and while on one hand we, we would applaud much of that passion and that zeal, um, you know, God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who do not need to repent. You know, any person who is snatched from the fire, as it says in Jude 23, and saved for heaven rather than hell, we need to be rejoicing over that. But but, but I'm afraid that what, what has happened, though, with that seeker-sensitive movement has kind of played out even in Andy's ministry now as the disciple of Bill Hybels, because Andy has gained quite a bit of notoriety in the last couple of years, as he has made some very strong statements about how, well, you know, more or less, you know, the Old Testament really isn't anything we need to spend much time on today, you know, the Ten Commandments, you know, all of that stuff. Um, what we really need is just the words of Jesus today. Well, this is, this is purely an American seeker-sensitive, um, uh, this is the fruit, son, so of the seeker-sensitive movement. And it's not good fruit um, and and thankfully, there were many Christians who um, you know spoke out when when Andy Stanley started making these points and and tried to remind him uh, of the importance of uh, the great importance of the Old Testament, the great importance in terms of a, a foundation for you know the New Testament and our faith and you can't separate one from the other you know i I like to compare it to like you know, let's say you were dating, um, you know, who, who you're now married to, but maybe le- letters that you wrote to your, um, the person you were dating prior to engagement in marriage, and now letters that you've written, let's say, to your spouse after marriage, you know, the, the, the early letters aren't less important. You don't just cast those aside. Well, those don't matter because that's before we were married. Well, the Old Testament, you know, came before Christ came, granted. But, but it, it, God put it there for a very important reason. And so I go into all this just to say, Son, that the fruit of the seeker-sensitive movement uh, has shown itself to be defective in a number of ways, as we all are. You know, we're all sinners. We're all going to fall short. We're all going to miss the mark. But but the answer today to, um, you know, maybe declining numbers in a church is, is, is not to say that, well, you know, um, seeing a a church like Willow Creek, now it wrecked me. Now I see the right paradigm. You know, let's just turn Sunday morning into, you know, uh, so speaker-sensitive that we do nothing to ever, would ever really challenge greatly, you know, an unbeliever. And and I know there has to be some balance in that song. I know we have to be sensitive. And I always try to be to those, you know, who are present, who uh, maybe don't know anything about Christianity. I, I realize that, and I'm very sensitive to that. But at the same time, you cannot, undermine scripture. You, you cannot go to where, you know, Andy, the disciple of Bill Hybels has gone, where basically the Old Testament is almost seen as, as unnecessary. And when you lose the Old Testament son, you lose so much biblical truth, biblical doctrine. Um, there's a reason why God gave us 66 books in the Bible and why we need them all for our edification. So um, thank you for allowing me to give a longer thought there and answer some. But, uh, but yeah, I just think your point about that, that uh, seeker-sensitive movement is very perceptive and right on target.
0: Well, see, I was a part of that because when you were talking about the Old Testament being done away with, I remember that specifically. We never talked about the Old Testament. And I remember asking the question one time. It was like, how can we um, do away with the Old Testament? And yet Jesus, he quoted the Old Testament. All the time in what he was yeah. when he would talk to people. So in essence, if you're doing away with the Old Testament, then you're doing away with what Jesus had to say, because Jesus quoted the Old Testament quite a bit. And in fact, he came and said that he wasn't here to um, to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So it was like a joining of the old and new together to have one message, kind of like your marriage, uh, um, yeah. you know, example there. You know, the man and woman come together to become one. Not still two yeah. different people. And so, yeah, so I thought that was, so then, um, yeah, I eventually had to leave because it was just too nutty. Um, now, like you said, the, the motivation yeah. for the new seeker, the new believer, you know, they had yeah. that Christian rush, but then eventually that rush would die off. And I witnessed this firsthand and people then would go back to leaving the church, you know, these college age kids. Yeah. And, and then there was nothing there for them afterwards. But now as we,
1: and, 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 you know, here, here, here's what we see too, son, because of that. Um, When you dismiss the Old Testament, you get what we find in some Christian circles today. You get people who either doubt or reject some just very simple historical facts from Scripture. For example, that Adam and Eve were were, uh, God's first creation as as man and woman, Um, that that the Great Flood is a historical event. It, It really happened that Jonah uh, really was swallowed by a great fish, a whale, or some huge fish. I mean, you hear people all the time, even in churches, um, trying to sound sophisticated when they suggest that, well, maybe that's not literal. And so here's how the enemy works on, you know, if we can do away with the literal history of the Old Testament, it's only one step away then from doing away with the literal history of the New Testament. And and, and you wonder how certain mainline churches that now have started to uh, adopt um, you know, same-sex marriage, for example, um, how can they have professors in their seminaries, some of which seem to question or reject the resurrection of Jesus? See, you see, once the dominoes start to fall, um, you know, it's not long before you, you, you've you wiped away everything. Uh, now, I'm not saying sign that there aren't maybe some born-again people today who, who believe, who have a, a fairly high view, at least of the New Testament, and, and maybe they don't believe some of the Old Testament stories or, or true history, but I would say they have a very misguided view if that's what they think. If, if, if they think that their progressive view that the flood didn't happen or Adam and Eve weren't God's first created human beings or that Jonah wasn't swallowed by a whale. If they think somehow that that's helping them or anyone else, I will say it's not because those are historical events. The Bible is history. Uh, it is his story, God's story. Um, I mean, while there are some, certainly, parables and other things in the Bible, there's some allegorical material, there are other things in the Bible that are tough to interpret, you know, whether it's literal or symbolic, Um, there are plenty of things in both the Old and New Testament that are clearly historical facts, clearly uh, historical events, and and yet, son, once you start to do away with some of these things because, well, you know, we don't need them or this or that— um, it's not long. You start chipping away at everything, and it eventually gets to the gospel, and, and uh, you know, what do these mainline denominations have today that are, are claiming that, you know, for example, that, that God endorses same-sex marriage? How far have they fallen from the truth to, to teach something so unbiblical? They believe it's loving, but it is so unloving. Um, it would be just as unloving for them to teach that adultery is no longer sinful. Or, or, or to teach that you know, sex before marriage is no longer sinful. But for them to teach that homosexual behavior is no longer sinful, they believe that's loving. Well, that's very, very misguided, dark ideology. And many of those who believe that, on I would say virtually to a person, also believe that there are many ways to heaven, also reject many of the stories in the Old Testament, also reject this, 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 and this. And, and what's left, Son? There's very little left. Other than a title, other than a label, maybe even a denominational label. And, and so when, when a survey comes out with what evangelicals believe, uh, well, who, just who are you calling an evangelical, by the way? You know, who are you interviewing in this process? And um, because I would say, Son, that you, you, would, you would even have some of those in the mainline denominations that if they're given options, they might check the right box on, say, salvation, for example, without maybe thinking through fully what it means, or perhaps not even believing it themselves. But 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 if you truly check a box that Jesus is not God, that is very revealing to just how far your, your beliefs and doctrine are from biblical theology, uh, because if Jesus isn't God, uh, then the whole thing falls apart. You know, the whole thing comes crumbling down, but he most certainly is God, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit.
0: Well here's the other thing, Dan, if you accept one sin to be now accepted, you have to accept yeah. them all. You can't pick and choose right. now because that's just right. that doesn't even stack up to logic and reason. Forget anything else. No. You know, it's just like no. the laws now saying that if, you know, murder is okay, but only yes. if you kill this person or this type of person or whatever, well yes. then why isn't the rest of them? Around? I mean you, you can't have that. You can't have pick and choose what you think is right or wrong it's either right or it's wrong okay right. let me pose this question to you okay and so sure. would you strongly disagree somewhat disagree you're not sure you somewhat agree or you strongly agree okay those are the the answers so either okay. from basically okay. strongly disagree yeah. to strongly agree what would you yeah so here's the statement jesus yeah. is the first and greatest being created by god
1: Oh, my. Oh, my. Strongly disagree.
0: Okay. So back in 2018, LifeWay Research did a um – A survey of people, and again, going back to the evangelicals, which, again, were the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe, it is very important for me to personally encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus as their Savior. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin, and only those who trust in Jesus as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. That's the qualifications for an evangelical, according to this research. 73% Yeah. 73% strongly agree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Yeah. And it's like, again, it goes back to, I mean, so don't, not, I don't want to confuse people by throwing out a bunch of numbers. But, you know, yeah. oftentimes when you just state one statistical thing, like you've been mentioning, you know, there could be a lot of variables in there as to why these numbers come out there. But right, now we've right. kind of mentioned three separate ones because this thing that we're talking about with, you know, more than half of the U.S. adults and 30% of evangelicals believe Jesus isn't God. This study just came out recently, just in fact, a couple of days yeah. ago. But yet yeah. here we're going back to 2018. Then we're even going back to as far as even 1991 comparing some things and yeah. you're starting to see this downtrend in what, yeah. you know, people believe versus what the Bible actually says. And it's just kind right. of fascinating and mind-blowing at the same time that people yeah. who, again, according to those four criteria, are evangelical yeah. Christians, are believing things yeah. that are completely opposite or counter what the Bible has to say.
1: Well, that, that's for sure, Son. And it, uh, once again, it just demonstrates how critical it is that churches and pastors and teachers, that we, that, we educate, um, that we educate God's people. Uh, uh, when it comes to Christian doctrine and, and biblical theology and and just, and just the, the the basic doctrines of, of, of the nature of God you know um, it, it 's interesting, son, because now that, now that you, you say that, um, I happen to notice something earlier today on a couple of different church websites that I was, I was looking at, and I, I was looking at their doctoral statement. And, and I thought it was rather interesting that in their doctrinal statement, um, they, they laid out their beliefs, and, and um, the, the first item was God, the second item was Jesus, the third item was the Holy Spirit. And, 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 while, and while both of these churches made it clear that, that God is three persons, um, you know, in one God, um, and, and, that, and that, that all three are co-equal, and that all three are eternal beings. None of them are created. So none of the doctoral statements were suggesting that, for example, Jesus is a created being. But just the simple fact that it would be laid out as God, and then Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times you'll even hear Christians say, um, well, you know, um, they'll say God and Jesus. God and Jesus, and and I think what a lot of people, even a lot of Christians, maybe son, maybe in their mindset, well, you know, there's 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 God, there's the Father, and then there's Jesus, and then there's the Holy Spirit. Um, it, it would seem to me, son, that a better way to lay out your, um, your, your your beliefs, for example, on a on a say on your website would be, you know, how about Father, Son, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, I, I think just the way that you lay it out like that can sort of convey this idea that, that the Father is really God, okay? Um, and, and that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are, you know, they're, they're, they're also God too, but, you know, they're not like God the Father. Well, they're, they're distinct beings, but they're all equally God. You know, again, if you look at like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses on, um, you know, basically they view Jesus as God Jr., now, they wouldn't use that exact term, but that's basically what they believe. You know, he's a created being. Um, he, he, he's, he's not as great as the Father. Um, you know, uh, the Father, you know, or Jehovah, in the case of Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, is, is really God. And then you've got Jesus. Okay, then you've got Jesus. And, and uh, so um, I, I just think, son, and maybe even like those surveys that you just uh, pointed to, like from 2018 even, um, I think it, it just demonstrates how important it is that we just um, that, that we teach people uh, the, the the basics of the Christian faith, and, and this is why, son. You know, so many churches um, recognize, for example, the importance of the Apostles' Creed, uh, to, just in terms of why Christians um, early on in the church, in the early centuries of the church. We're, we're starting to face these same issues um, and 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 recognize you know we, we really need to have kind of a formula. We really need to have a way of describing what the Bible says about God and And, and so uh, it is important that we very important in fact, that, that we continually remind people as to the nature of God. and if anybody starts to think son, well, you don't, you don't have to revisit those basics in, in American churches today. If there's one thing these surveys seem to indicate, more than ever before, we need to revisit these basics, because if you lose the basic truths of the nature of God and the gospel, you're not building on a solid foundation. You're not building on the truth. Um, You're not building on solid ground. So um, I think this is a very important discussion we're having today, Son, and um, just a great, great reminder of, of why we need to stick to the fundamentals. Uh, You know, today that word gets thrown around by some people, well, you're a fundamentalist. If you believe that Adam and Eve were real people, you're a fundamentalist. If you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, you're a fundamentalist. You know, so that's thrown out there as a a slap against people by those progressives who don't believe those things. Uh, But we don't ever have to be ashamed of believing what the Bible says because, um, you know, the Bible is true. God knows what's true. We don't, apart from what he reveals to us in Scripture, and and these things are clearly taught in the Bible.
0: Well, the other thing, too, we have to—what I take from it personally is that, you know, yes, we come together as a body, and we rely on pastors and people to lead us, but we also have to do our due diligence and study on our own and seek out our own,
1: you know, because if we
0: just rely on what other people tell us— I mean that's the first thing that we're supposed to do. I mean we're in an age right now where we can't question anything. You know if if someone says yeah. something and we question it, you know we're racist, we're this, we're that. You know all kinds of things. We're xenophobic. You know we're anti everybody. And so we're in an age where questioning something is not okay. But yet, you right. know if you really sit down, the fundamental talk about fundamentalists. You know I was taught yes. the first thing you question is what people say about the Bible. If you if the Bible doesn't back it. Yeah. Then perhaps you need to check what the person is saying, because the only way to measure what is true and false when it comes to God in the Bible is to know what the Bible says. If it says something yeah. contrary to what the Bible says, then it's wrong. And yet we right. don't have people that sit there and check things. You know, it's like it's like. You know, I'm I'm just as narcissistic as an expert, you know, with the the things that I want to do. Yeah. I want it to be, you know, I want to blow up. I want people to hear what we talk about and things like that. Right. But, um, right. but yeah, we do put pastors and people on a pedestal and we are afraid to call people out. And when we do call them out for something, you know, yeah. everyone else attacks and say, how can you do that? You know, how can you right. do and call a pastor out for something that he said he's the pastor? And so, yeah, right. it's like, but hey, he's not above. You know, it's kind of like politicians getting above the law. You know, it's like when the pastors aren't above the Bible, it's the Bible and then the pastor. And 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 like you said, the Holy Spirit hopefully telling the pastor and guiding the pastor and through prayer and supplication, the pastor leads according to God's will. But yet a lot of people don't want to question the pastor because of that, you know, hierarchy and that superstardom that they might have. Um, well,
1: Son, just think 500 years ago, if if Martin Luther had not done those two things that you just, you know, beautifully articulated one, that's studying the Bible for yourself, not just assuming that, you know, uh, a preacher or a, a church leader, you know, what they're saying is scriptural, but really backing it up with scripture, seeing if, if it matches and, and confirms and, and applies with what's in scripture. So if Martin Luther had not done that, and if he had just assumed that his pastors, where everything they were telling him was the truth. He would never have taken the stand that he did when he posted those 95 theses on the door there in, in Wittenberg, when he was challenging some of the errors that were being taught by the Catholic Church. Um, you know, he, he didn't find any joy in going against the church that he had been raised in but he felt he had no option. Uh, You know, just just like the apostles in Acts who said, we must obey God rather than men. And that's where Luther was at 500 years ago. Um, And and so those points you just made, Son, are so crucial that we compare it to Scripture. Luther eventually did that. You know, Luther compared what he was hearing about the law, and and, and he he didn't know the gospel uh, until he he came across, you know, Scripture where where, we're taught the just shall live by faith the righteous shall live by faith. And, and, and Luther said it was like, you know, heaven opened. It was like I, you know, entered paradise. Well, Luther was born again when, when he came to know the gospel. And and, and yet, Son, if, if he had done, uh, if he had taken the approach where he'd never questioned his spiritual leaders, which, by the way, the cults, uh, you know, they make that very clear that you're not allowed to question them. You're not allowed to challenge the teaching of the church. But, but, but I'll tell you, for, for a real Christian church, um, one of the things that should always be um, made very clear is, is that people should feel very free to challenge anything they're hearing and, and to have a discussion about it from scripture. And, and, and if a preacher or anybody is starting to go uh, away from the Bible, uh, the Bible is our authority, not, not man, not, not this preacher, not that preacher, not even the Pope. And that's what Luther came to realize that he was in an organization, a religious organization, that was giving a man. Uh, really, ultimately, greater authority than God's word, and then G- and a greater authority than Jesus, ultimately the head of the church. So Luther, Luther was no longer going to be a part of that, um, and so they they essentially kicked him out. He he, he was willing to help reform them, but instead, um, God had different plans, and you know that was you know a big part of the Protestant Reformation, and so the denominations that we have today they have all, by and large, sprung from that. Revival and renewal of the gospel 500 years ago. So, whether a person's Assembly of God or Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist or Lutheran uh, or, or uh, you know, one of these, I mean, these have sprung from the gospel revival. But it didn't just happen in Luther's day. That gospel revival, son, happened 1,500 years before that when Jesus himself uh, brought us the gospel, he brought us himself, brought us salvation, uh, brought us forgiveness. So um, Luther was just uh, blessed to be a part of the renewal of what Jesus had brought to the world 1,500 years earlier, and and so that has to always be uh, the center of our message, um, that we're saved by grace alone, uh, that that we're saved through faith alone, and that we stand on Scripture alone, and and that has has been part of uh, our heritage as believers now, Son, that we're pressing on with and, and very blessed to be a part of.
0: Dan, as we uh, begin to wrap up here, if if you know someone's been listening, if for anybody, just you know myself included, if you know we've been. Um Kind of along that trend where we're starting to, you know, get away from the foundation of what we believe and we start getting away from certain beliefs and start to question ourselves and think, oh, maybe that is okay to do this. Or maybe, yeah, uh, maybe the Old Testament is, you know, old and that's why it's the old, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. what are some ways? What's, what's, what can we do to get ourselves back focused on what the Bible's about? What Jesus is about and the salvation that we can have. When we put our belief yeah. in Jesus, yeah. who died on the cross and uh, was raised again to save us from our sins,
1: you know, I think one of the the most important things, son, is is to follow the scriptural admonition when it says, "Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing." Um, now we live in these COVID days right now, and I understand that for some, um, you know, certain churches are maybe only uh, having online services. Others are, you know, maybe starting to have. Uh, service, But but I would say this, uh, at, at a bare minimum, um, in order for a person to really get grounded or regrounded maybe in, in some truths that they were taught earlier in life, um, to make sure you're part of uh, of a church where uh, the, the, the word of God is being faithfully taught, where the gospel is being faithfully proclaimed. And make sure that you're feeding on that word every week. I mean, right now, if some or all of that's even online because your church isn't gathering, then so be it. Um, then, then that's how God is going to be strengthening you right now. Um, but, but then just as soon as possible, or as soon as you're, you're, um, feeling comfortable, um, meeting again and, and feeling like, you know, health-wise and everything else, um, you can do that in good conscience. Um, then, then that will be very important to, to continue meeting together. Uh, but at, a, at a minimum, to have that work going in you daily, uh, have those messages feeding your soul, uh, be, because, any, any pastor who is, uh, faithful to the scripture will be covering these key doctrines that will get us grounded in, in the truth and will keep us grounded and remind us of these basic truths as, t- as to the nature of God and the nature of the gospel and, and the nature of holy living and, and the nature of heaven and hell and, and just everything else that, uh, you know, angels and demons and, and uh, uh, just so many other things, you know, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, uh, what it means to serve the Lord, uh, I mean, just on and on it goes, you know, but but we, we get this on primarily by being part of a congregation, that's the way Jesus designed it, you know, the church is the bride of Christ, Jesus died for his bride, and if you're like many of my friends who might say, well, you know, I had a bad experience in a church, you know, there are many people who've had a bad experience in a marriage, but that doesn't mean that marriage should just be cast aside because someone's had a bad experience. The institution of marriage is holy. The institution of the church is holy, and and so God will help you to be part of a church where the Scripture is being faithfully taught, and and where the gospel is being uh, faithfully proclaimed. And, and so it, it may not necessarily be the church where you had a bad experience, but but there will be uh, there will be a place, and at least online for now, at a minimum. Where you can be hearing the word Growing in the word Strengthened in the word And in the gospel and, and that is something that we can all do By God's grace And so my friend I encourage you to do that um, So that these things that Simon and I have been talking about today Will become a regular part of our lives And our thinking And that we can help others then Who may be confused Who may be part of that so-called 30% let's say In that survey Who maybe are confused about the nature of of, of who Jesus is uh, well, you and I can be part of helping to educate them, uh, but we first must uh, be in the Word, grounded in this truth ourselves, and then we'll be uh, equipped uh, to share with others the hope that we have and the truth that we've been taught that's been handed down to us from the apostles uh, and, and many between us and them who have faithfully proclaimed and even lived and died for this message. You and I now have the, the privilege to share with others.
0: Dan Delzell pastor at, uh, well, he's an author at the uh, Christian Post and a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And, Dan, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and uh, maybe uh, just reach out, where can they find you, the best way to get a hold of well, you? Well,
1: if they were to just uh, Google, um, you know, the Christian Post, my name, Dan DelVell, um they would be able to see, you know, articles that I've written on, on these topics and others, uh, or they could uh, check out some, some videos uh, that, that we've got there uh, through our uh, church's ministry, Redeemer, here in Papillion, nebraska if i just wanted to google that uh redeemer in papillion nebraska and uh and so that would be a wonderful way on i think just to uh, have some some options there for some both video messages but also some articles that i've written
0: dan thanks so much we appreciate it you can find me on instagram at edom rocks e-i-d-e-m-r-o-c-k-s and uh, for you listening thanks for listening do tell a friend and until next time god bless